Welcome to episode 208 of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This week we are taking a look at 4D. It's Season 9, Episode 4. Original air date was December 9th, 2001. The average IMDb user score is 8.0 out of 10, and the action primarily takes place right in Washington, D.C., so this is one where the pre-credits teaser is right on our agents. So Reyes is in undercover. She's positioned by a bank of mailboxes. We've got Brad Fulmer back, played by Carrie Elwes, and John Doggett are monitoring her from a safe distance. They are hoping that the suspect opens apartment 4D to confirm that he is Erwin Lukash, but he doesn't. He makes them... Reyes pursues, and she turns out to be his next victim. He slashes women through the neck and cuts out their tongues. When Falmer and Doggett discover this, Falmer stays with her, while Doggett pursues Lukash into an alley, and he vanishes. He then reappears behind Doggett and shoots him. We cut from here to Reyes' new apartment, where she is fine. I say cut, it's actually post-credits. But she seems to be fine. She's unpacking. Doggett's fine when he shows up with the finest Polish sausages in the city. So, starting to think, was this a flashback type thing where what we see earlier in the pre-credits teaser is going to show up later in the episode? But then Skinner phones Reyes to tell her Doggett's been shot. And when she turns around, the Doggett who's in her apartment is gone. Brad Fulmer is put in charge of the investigation, and he soon learns, as Skinner is working with him, seems to be subordinate on this particular case, that the gun used to shoot Doggett, leaving him paralyzed and unconscious, was Agent Reyes's gun. So she has become the prime suspect, and Lukesh is a witness that's placing her at the scene of the accident. No one seems to think that there is a case to pursue with these dead ladies, with the serial killer, or that Lukash has any part of it. It's when Doggett wakes up, he is able to communicate through technology and through Morse code just by tapping a finger. It was actually quite a nice moment when Scully's checking to say, is this a muscle spasm? And it's Skinner saying, no, that's no spasm, that's Morse code. And Doggett says, Lukash which at that point was the name of a witness. So Reyes is the one that figures out Lukesh has the ability to travel between parallel realities that the Doggett in that hospital bed is the Doggett from Lukesh's reality who somehow followed him through and that the Doggett from this reality that we're used to is gone because there can only be one Doggett in each reality. And... The dog in the hospital bed says, yep, yeah, makes sense. Well, let's bring your dog back, pull the plug. And we realize that, yeah, this is not the kind of thing Doggett would accept. He just wants the plug pulled. He does not want to continue living like this. As we continue the investigation, Lukesh's mom, who's mostly bedridden, figures out he's up to something, and finds Reyes's gun in the drawer. When she confronts him, he kills her and blames Reyes for it, because he's not the kind of person who takes responsibility for his own actions. 
and he plans to kill her slowly this time. So the dialogue confirms to her that she was absolutely right, and they end up killing Lukesh, defending Reyes, and when that's all said and done, she goes to the hospital and does disable life support on Doggett. Once he dies, everything snaps back, she's back in her apartment, Doggett's there with the Polish sausages, and it's over. She is the only one who seems to remember anything that happened. So it is an intriguing episode. There's a few twists and turns as we're trying to solve the mystery of how things can be two places at once, such as how they could find Doggett shot, give her a call, and find her 14 miles away in her apartment. So there are a few things going on. There's even references to Rod Serling, the address used by the characters in this episode was actually Rod Serling's real address at one point in his life. So they were paying tribute to the Twilight Zone influence that's coming out in seasons eight and nine here. Now, this was also dedicated to the memory of Ricky Lloyd Araguen, who died on September 13th, 2001 at age 19. Now, when I first saw that, I assumed it was another September 11th victim, but no, he was walking and someone came out and said, you know, asking if anyone was in a gang, nobody responded and the gunman just started firing and shot Ricky in the head. And the men who did it have been convicted, one 25 years to life, another 35 years to life for the murder. And his stepfather, the victim's stepfather, worked in the props department for the series. So another nice reference, the 4D apartment that Lukesh lived in is a reference to the fourth dimension, which the IMDb says it was posited by Einstein's theory of relativity, and while that's absolutely true, the concept didn't start with Einstein. It's actually centuries older. Even Newton recognized that it was a variable. It was explained extremely well by H.G. Wells in The Time Machine, which was published over 10 years prior to Einstein's theory of relativity. The theory of relativity completely changed the way we understand time as the fourth dimension, but that didn't originate the concept. So this episode was directed by Tony Warmby. This is his sixth of seven episodes of The X-Files. His last one will be coming up in just a couple of episodes. Again, I really enjoyed his work on the series. He is really good at getting film noir style intense contrast lighting. So he uses a lot of low-key lighting in his episodes. And it gives them a very specific feel that really suits the show. Now, Stephen Maida turned in this script. It was his fourth of five episodes of The X-Files. He'd previously written Brand X, Red Rum, and Viennin. And there's not a lot in the way of co-stars this time. Dylan Haggerty plays Erwin Timothy Lukesh. He had previously worked for 1013 Productions when he had a guest spot on Millennium. His IMDb list goes from 1991 to 2007 pretty uniformly, and then he skips to 2015 with Uncle Kent 2. 30 acting credits to his name, including The Postman. He was a producer on Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets from 2017, so he is still working in a producer capacity. 
Uh, he was also part of the crew on Ocean's 13 and known for playing Starkey in Con Air in 1997. Angela Payton played his mother. She's probably the most recognizable of them. Unfortunately, she passed away in 2016. She is best known for her work as Mrs. Lancaster in Groundhog Day, Grandmother in American Wedding, a Doctor in Flatliners, and Mrs. Holmes in the 1997 version of Lolita. 93 acting credits to her name, most recently in 2014. Her credits go back to an uncredited role as a homicide detective in Dirty Harry back in 1971. Gil Colon has 14 acting credits to his name, starting with The Chase, a TV movie in 1991, and then going into one of the Perry Mason made-for-TV movies. His last IMDb credits were from 2002. He is best known for his role as Agent Rice here, his role as Colonel Rick Howard in Megiddo, a deputy in Switchback, and Firefighter 1 in an episode of Roswell. Finally, Ming Lo has a pretty quick role as the Doctor who's checking over Doggett. He's got 96 acting credits to his name, best known for his work in Jarhead, The Sessions, Kung Pao Enter the Fist, and The Pursuit of Happiness. His most recent role at the time of this recording is an episode of MacGyver from this year, 2020. And his credits on the IMDb go back to one spot in 1977 and then more from 1997 on. So overall, it is an entertaining episode. It's the second in a row where the characters themselves are more directly involved in the case and they are somewhat influenced by it. So we'll see if that trend continues when we come back in two weeks' time to discuss Lord of the Flies. Thank you for listening.